The following episode was recorded live on YouTube for Adulting.TV Live. Welcome to Adulting, a podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at Adulting.TV. Welcome to Adulting.TV Live. I'm Harlan Landis, and I'm here with Miranda Marquette, as usual. And our guest today is Nick True. Nick, how are you? I'm doing real well, Harlan. How are you? Fantastic. So tell me a little bit about your website. Sure. So right now I have a a personal finance blog at mappedoutmoney.com. And I mostly just talk about my own personal journey through my finances and me and my wife kind of dealing with our finances, um, mostly how it's been after we finished up college and going forth. We're both in our mid-20s, so kind of documenting our journey, I guess. How long ago did you leave college? I graduated right at two years ago. Okay. And what have you been doing since then? Sure. So I got a degree in uh, mechanical engineering, and I've been working for an engineering firm in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, in the hydropower industry. So big dams and lots of water and creating power. So uh, it's it's been neat. So what drove you to start Mapped Out Money? I think it's been a, a combination of interests. I've been reading personal finance stuff for a long time, even since I was in high school. When my wife graduated her undergrad, she went immediately into grad school. For the past two years, I would come home after work and I didn't really have anything to do because she was always studying. So I guess Mapped Out Money has grown a little bit out of boredom and, and ready to you know try my hand at some other stuff. So you want to talk about networking today, which I think is is a great topic. As an introvert, I struggle with networking in just the idea that I'll do it when I have to, but it isn't my favorite thing to do, and therefore I'm I'm not quite good at it. So what is it about networking and just being around people that you enjoy so much? Sure. So for me, I think it comes down to, like you said, being around the people aspect of it. But ultimately, I think it comes from a place of really caring. That's kind of what I want to get into talking about is if you want to get into networking and be good at building relationships with other people, it has to start from a, a, a core place of care, meaning you have to actually care about the other people. And so I think for me, the reason I, I enjoy networking and meeting folks and trying to build those relationships is because I care about what other people have going on in their life. And I just like talking to them and, and getting to know them and, and what their story is. So I think that's where it starts. Yeah, it's really interesting. Just being a listener and being open to hear what other people have to say, I think is a great way to make a connection, uh, whether it's a personal connection or a business connection. I mean, it's all, it's all the same thing, right? Absolutely. Like 100%. Yeah. And I really like what you say about caring about people. And I think it's also kind of hard for me, honestly. Um, I have, I mean, there are definitely people I care about, but you know, when I do all the personality tests and I do all of those things, it basically says that I don't like people and that that, that I'd really rather just hang out by myself, which is kind of true in a lot of ways. But I do get out there and I do try and network. And, you know, do you have any tips for people who, you know, and and I do when I get to know people and they're people that I really like, I do care about them and I want to hear about them, but it's really hard for me to do small talk. And it's really hard for me to like care about 
somebody that I don't really know very well. Yeah. Um, I'm coming across as a terrible person, I know. But how do you do that? How do you get into that space as you're networking to get to that point to where you can say, I am going to either be interested in people or be able to at least act like I'm interested in people until I'm, <laughs> until I'm actually interested in this person. Yeah, sure. So again, I, I think it starts. So let's take it back one step. And this is the way that I, I think about it is that before you start trying to force yourself to care about what other people are into or what's going on in their life, like think for one second about what you're super into. So, and I think a great way to look at it is we all have people in our lives that probably will do things for us or do things with us or listen to us because they care about us as a person. So for instance, the when I was in college, the girl I was dating, who's now my wife, knew that I was super into snowboarding and she had never really been, it wasn't something that was really high on her, like, you know, I really want to do this, but I love snowboarding. I love it. It's one of my favorite things to do. And she was like, okay, cool, like whatever, we'll go. And so we went on a trip with like us and, and four or five friends and we rented out like a cabin and all this stuff. And the first day we're there, she broke her arm snowboarding. And like, it was so, it was so crazy. And, but she was like a, such a trooper. And I don't know, maybe that's one of the reasons that we got married now, but she ended up, we didn't know that she broke it at the time. She was like, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. And so we kept, we kept out there for another few hours because she knew this really mattered to me. It was important to me. And I really wanted us to be able to like snowboard together. And so I was teaching her. We didn't find out later that evening that, that she had fractured it. And then we didn't see the x-rays until a few days later when we got off the mountain. And so like, there's this whole thing and, and now granted, that's a, you know, that's a, a love or a, you know, a significant other type relationship. So it's a little different. But I want to start there because I think it's important to understand that we all have things in our lives that other people don't find interesting or don't care about, and yet we still really care about them. And so when I start there and realize that, and then I can turn around and look at other people and think, okay, well, for whatever reason, I love snowboarding and I love this thing. And in my case, and, and I might get into some of this, a lot of the clients that I work with really care about football. Like it's a big deal to them. And that's something that's not a big deal to me. But because they care about it in such a intense way and it's a big deal to them, I can kind of put myself in their shoes and think, okay, well, they care about football the same way that I care about some of these other things. So I want to try and understand what is it about football that has so engrossed them in the same way that maybe snowboarding or something like that has for me. That's kind of my... I guess my starting point for when you really are, are not interested in some of the same things and that small talk is, is tough to get you going. I don't, I don't know if any of that resonates with you at all, but. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that that's a really good thing that those of us who are really super awkward can hold on to. <laughs> I think that's, that's very helpful, especially in terms of, you know, turning around and saying, you know, what is it about put well uh, that too, and just saying, okay, well, let me put myself in their shoes. What would happen if they had to listen to me drone on and on about right. Lord of the Rings? Yep. I mean, it would be horrifying for those poor people. So, and, yeah, I, I think I'll, that's a really good idea. Really good point. I'll add something to that. I don't know if you two have ever read or are familiar with the website, Wait But Why, or, mm -hmm. or Tim Urban, but Tim's, I guess, co-owner of the website, there's like a little, a little like hidden area of the website where you can click through and read a couple articles that he's written, which is kind of cool. 
one of the articles on there that so puts this into perspective, especially for for sports fans and non-sports fans, is there's this great article about why sports fans are sports fans and why non-sports fans don't understand it. Basically, the first half of the article, he talks about what sports people look like to people who aren't into sports. And it like I so resonate with it because I don't get it. I just I totally I'm like, what's the big deal? Like, it's just, you know, like guys running around on a field like I'm not I just don't understand it. And then he explains why sports people are really, really into sports. And it gave me kind of a new appreciation for, okay, I'm still not super into it, but I can understand where they're coming from. And this sense of community and this sense of other things that I have around, like you say, Lord of the Rings, right? Like I've got a sense of community around a couple other things like, you know, maybe Avatar The Last Airbender or something like that that I'm super nerdy into, right? So, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, And being able to find that connection with other people and understanding that they have those same feelings about maybe something else, I think is a great way to start getting into that. And then what I really liked too about you talking about listening. And so maybe find that thing and then try and understand it from them. And then pretty soon you find yourself caring. Absolutely. I think at the core, most people have a couple of things that are really important to them. Like if you drill down, right? So like a sense of community, a sense of purpose, things of that nature. And then if you go up, you can start seeing how those play out into their specific hobbies. So even if we're not into the same hobbies or the same interests, a lot of the times we have the same core reasons for why we're into those things, which helps me start relating to those interests better. So when you are relating to, say, your clients, how has it helped you specifically in in your business or in life or what type of advantages do you have now because you are able to make those connections? Specifically at the firm that I work with, we're given a whole lot of I don't know, let's say creative leeway over our projects, meaning even though I'm young, when I'm assigned a project, I'm over it. And so I deal with the clients, I make the phone calls, I go to the, you know, the the construction sites where things are happening. And so there's a ton of opportunity for me to interface with people. In terms of what I've gotten out of it, at this point, two years in, I've gotten a couple of different job offers from one of our competitors and then one of our clients, actually. I haven't taken up either of those just because I'm, I'm not looking for that at this point. And then, so that's, in my, I guess, my personal gain is this has already helped me build relationships with people who find me and my work valuable enough that they would be willing to hire me without me even asking for a job. And then on the business side of things, I've been able to pull in more projects in, I guess, a sales manner, even though I don't have a sales job with our clients because I've built that relationship. And I think ultimately people want to do business with people that they like. And so number one, you have to be able to do the work and you have to be able to do it well. But if you can do that, then the very next thing is people are going to choose to do business with somebody that they like and have a relationship with. And so you, you have to be able to deliver on doing good work. But if you're, if you're doing that and it comes between you and a competitor, a lot of the time they're going to choose the person that they already like, have a relationship with, have some, some sort of sense of connection with. And so I guess that's how it's, it's already started to help me, if that makes sense. For our listeners who are just listening and not watching, uh, you have a drum set in the background. Do you play the drums? 
Uh, well, actually, so I'm actually uh, visiting my parents right now. This is uh, it's my parents' place. This is actually my brother's old room. I, I play piano and guitar. We used to be in a kind of rock band in high school, but he played the drums and, and still does. But that's his uh, that's his kit back there. So, got it. Yeah, yeah. No, I studied music in college, and okay. I'm still involved with music. So I was just wondering if that was something we might have in common. And yes, I I play guitar as well. So uh, maybe we'll have to jam sometime at the next FinCon. Absolutely. So you you are a performer then in some ways. And does that help you at all when it comes to networking? I think it can. There's two different types of confidence. Confidence to get up on a stage in front of a bunch of people is a certain subset of confidence. I think it can help, but I don't know that it necessarily translates because I know a whole bunch of, you know, let's say lead singers or front men for bands who are not good at doing one-on-one like networking or or conversating in that way. I think it's probably helped me. It's definitely not hurt me, but I I do think there's probably a couple different skill sets involved there. What's the difference between networking in college and networking once you're in the so-called real world? Yeah. So networking in college, I think, is obviously super built on friendships if you're talking about networking with, with your peers. And then maybe those are people that you're going to call up later on or, or help you get somewhere in your career. I think a lot of that is built on friendship and commonalities and things of that nature. Once you get out into the, into let's, you know, the real world, the, the big world of, uh, of working, I do think, and, and I want to make sure this is clear. So when it comes to networking, networking is is an amplifier. So if you're not doing good work, meaning if your clients don't like the work you're producing, in my case, it would be engineering design or engineering drawings. If they don't think the design is good, if they don't like what we've done, then no amount of networking is going to compensate for that. So I do think first and foremost in the real world, like you, you have to do good work. Whatever your job is, whatever your industry is, you have to perform and you have to do it well. So that's definitely number one. Number two is, is this, this idea of networking. And, and maybe one thing I should talk about that I think is, is interesting is this idea of context. Maybe we can go that route. So one of the things that's important when you're networking is you have to understand the context. And I, I mean that in two ways. One is the context around the culture of where you're networking and that person and then the context around your relationship with that person. Let me let me give you a couple of examples. In and I'm going to talk uh, a little bit about, you know, obviously what I know. And so in the south, which is where I predominantly do most of my work in the southeast uh, of the US, one of the things that's big here in the south and amongst the vast majority of the types of people and clients that I work with is football, fishing, country music, and hunting. Three of those four things I don't know much about and I'm not involved in at all. Okay. (laughs) And so even though I grew up here and I'm familiar with a lot of those things, those aren't hobbies or things that I'm necessarily into, but I need to understand the context. Okay. So one, those are, those are hobbies. But the second thing about context that I think is important is what is the, let's call it business operation, okay? In this industry that I work in, which is the power industry, specifically hydropower, and specifically in the Southeast, small talk is super important. So 
I would almost never open up a phone call with somebody and immediately jump into some sort of business, like whatever the purpose I'm calling for. Like, I just don't do that. You don't do that. It is immediately jump into, hey, Jay, I know that you were moving last week. How did that go? Or, hey, did you see the game last weekend? Like, oh my God, I can't believe what that call that they did. Like, there's a lot of things like that. And I'll spend the first 10 to 15 minutes on a phone call or in a meeting just catching up with people about what's going on. Now, that's very different than some of my clients on the West Coast, okay? So we also do a lot of work for Pacific Gas and Electric, which is a power company, a utility company in, in California. And those meetings are very different. And it just has to do with the context. They're not as big on small talk. They typically get down to business a little quicker. And so if I'm like probing them with small talk questions over and over again, it will actually start to annoy them. And so a big part about networking is actually trying to learn and listen and understand the context of what setting you're in and how to react to that. And so a lot of what I'm telling you in my situation is not like me just being brilliant. It's I had a really I've had a really good mentor at my current job who's really good at networking, who's been able to help me understand some of the stuff that I'm talking about. Yeah, let's talk about your mentor relationship and how that helped you because I think I would, you know, I think I would struggle in immediately reading the room, say, and understanding in if, if I were in a place that was unfamiliar to me, what the culture and what the expectations are. For sure. Let me use a word that can have some negative connotation to it, but I do think there's a positive aspect to it when it comes to networking, if done correctly, and that is stereotyping. <laughs> And let me explain what I mean. So one of the things that... I'm excited to see where this goes. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the things that the the guy that I've been working with for a few years now has taught me is a little bit of of like Sherlock Holmes-esque. So you're not stereotyping in negative ways. You're just trying to be really observant. And so what I'm doing when when I go into a client meeting or I go to specifically a construction site where I'm working with a lot of construction folks that I don't know or don't know me... I'm being crazy observant to try and understand what here is going on that I can find conversation about or relate to. And so what I mean by stereotyping is this. I'm looking at, in my case, most of the time I'm looking at age, I'm looking at what are they wearing, and I'm looking at what are they doing. And the specific examples I can give you in my industry has to do with construction versus management. So the vast majority of people who are at a power plant working on things, maybe they're welding, maybe they're pipe fitting, they're normally in fireproof clothing, cargo clothing, they're normally in t-shirts, they're normally in hard hats with safety glasses. Those guys are a little different than guys who are the management that work in the corporate world of the power plant who show up on site in slacks and a button down. It's a very different feel. And so here's what I mean when I say, okay, how does that translate into what kind of conversations are we going to have? Well, one of the things that I know about construction workers in this area especially is some of those interests. So I can almost guarantee you that they're super into fishing or they're super into hunting. Like I can just almost guarantee that. We can get talking and I can ask them what they did this past weekend. And if it has something to do with fishing, guess what? I didn't know much about fishing two years ago, but I know a whole lot about fishing now 
at least enough that I can talk about it intelligently. If I'm talking to the guys in the corporate world, it's a different conversation. And a lot of it also has to do with my own mannerism. Let me explain one other thing about this. When I say stereotyping, the other thing that's important is you can stereotype certain conversations that you shouldn't have. Meaning, with a lot of guys in the construction world especially, a lot of those guys are incredibly smart. Way, way smarter than I am in a ton of ways. However, most of them didn't go to a traditional university college and get like a four-year degree. The vast majority of those guys got their high school diploma and then they went to a trade school and then they came out and they started working in the field. And those guys are crazy smart, but they don't have this degree. One of the problems that a lot of engineers will do when they come on site is they have a chip on their shoulder of, look at me, I'm awesome, I'm an engineer, I have this degree, blah, 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 blah. So if I come on site and I start talking about really anything to do with my education, if I start talking about things in a way that makes it obvious that I'm proud that I'm an engineer or that it could be looking like I'm belittling them, it's going to set our entire relationship up for failure. And so what I mean by stereotyping is just understanding what situations different people are in and what conversations might make sense and then what conversations to avoid. The quickest way to really ruin a relationship with the construction guys in my industry would be to come on site in slacks, a button down, a tie, and then belittle them or talk down to them because you're the engineer and you know the way it's supposed to be installed and they don't know the way it's supposed to be installed this is the perfect way to to set yourself up for a terrible time. I like that. And I think that's one of the keys to approaching almost any situation where you have want to build relationships with people is, is to respect them and respect their own intelligences. Because a lot of the time, you know, we're all smart in different ways and we all have different talents. But I love how you're talking about stereotyping because, and I'm going to be honest here, chemical engineer or uh, mechanical engineer yeah. is, is not what I think of when I see you. <laughs> <laughs> Lumberjack is probably more like what I think. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I, Not I get wrong with being a lumberjack. No, I get that. I get that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really interesting. I, I hear these themes of relating to whoever you're around or intend on networking with or just getting to know, finding different ways to relate to them at whatever place they are. I won't even say level, but at just their place is yes. where you want to be. And it sounds like you do that without abandoning who you are as a person. And I think a lot of people are afraid of, well, if I have to go to, you know, to, to network with people who aren't like me, I have to play this role and suddenly I'm not comfortable in my own skin. How do you find that? How do you, how do you stick with that comfort with, with who you are as a person while still kind of being malleable and being willing to adapt to whatever environment that you're in? Sure. So this is a tough one. And it's one that I've struggled with for a long time. And honestly, not to sound like a broken record, but the way that I've found that it's working for me is to go back to caring. And let me explain a little further, maybe a different route. So this is non-business. So my wife is from Northern Alabama. That's where all her family's from. If you know anybody in Alabama, college football is a big deal down there. And I know that I've already kind of talked about football, but in business relationship, now we're talking about my, I'm talking father-in-law, uh, you know, uncles, aunts, 
I mean, everybody, it's a big deal. That's like Thanksgiving. We watch Alabama football. Like that's a, it's a big deal. And so I was honest with them. The very first time that I met them, I guess I was 19 when I first went down to meet some of her extended family. And they all asked me like immediately, you know, like, hey, Nick, nice to meet you. So you big Tennessee fan because I'm from Tennessee. Like that's where the conversation goes. And I was honest. I said, you know, actually, I don't, I don't actually watch a whole lot of football. It's, it's not something my dad really grew up watching. And so I never really got into it. You know, but, you know, but I'm, but I'm happy to, you know, to, to watch with you guys or whatever. And over time, over the past few years, I've started paying more and more attention to Alabama football. And because I care about having a good relationship with my in-laws, even though I'm never going to sit down on a Saturday night, if I'm alone at my own house by myself, I'm never going to sit down and choose to watch Alabama football or any football for that matter. But if I'm with them or whatever, I can pay attention to it. And on Sunday nights, I typically will spend 10 minutes Googling during football season, okay, who won, what were the highlights of the game, just so that I can talk intelligently about it during the next week. And then I think the other thing to go back to, if you reach deep down, I think a lot of us can find core things. And so one cool thing about uh, Alabama football is the head coach, and his name is Nick Saban. And Nick Saban is a smart businessman. And I am super into learning about business and understanding that aspect of things. And Nick Saban is super big on discipline, and he's just a really smart guy. And the way he operates his football team is like a well-oiled business. I mean, he really acts like a CEO. And so I've actually gotten to where I enjoy watching the games. I'm not really paying that much attention to the football I'm paying a whole lot more attention to when they pan the camera over and they they look at Nick Saban talking to one of his guys and I'm trying to understand, okay, what is it that he's doing? Because this guy makes $7 million a year and is the highest paid coach in college football. And there's a reason he keeps winning games and it's because of the way he operates his team. And because and so like I'm watching it and I've found, ooh, there's this little thing that I'm interested in now about this business perspective. So I think it's a combination of of caring about the relationship in the first place I like people and I want to understand why they care about things. And I want to build a relationship with people because I do care about them. And a combination of how can I find something inside of this that I can relate to? And I think if you spend enough time and dig deep enough, you can find something at the core of a lot of things that you can find relatable. For you, it sounds like caring is natural. How, for, for someone who struggles with the idea of putting themselves in the shoes of someone else, what can they do to kind of get used to doing that? Sure. So um, this actually started with me. It, it's interesting that you say that. So I'll, I'll tell a really funny story that, <laughs> that makes me sound very different than I, I maybe have sounded up until this point in, in the talk. Up until the point I was like 17 or 18, I was not this way at all. I read a book called uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie, and that really changed my perspective on putting myself in other people's shoes. But up until that point, you could say I very much so resembled a black and white binary engineer brain. When I was 13, um, my mom's like really good friend had this daughter who was also 13 and and they would come over and like hang out and, and like we would do things with our families together. I was a 13 year old kid and just totally oblivious. But this girl, like, I guess, started developing a crush on me and we just hung out. And honestly, I, I kind of thought she was a little annoying and <laughs> I didn't really love hanging out with her all that much. But our parents were friends. And so it just kind of, you know, you can't drive when you're 13. So you go where your parents go. 
you know, I had cell phone back then and we had each other's numbers or whatever. And every now and again, she would text me and I would text back and forth because I was trying to be a nice person. But one day she asked me, Nick, what do you really think about me? And I was like, well, she asked. Uh-oh. So I, yeah. <laughs> so I said, I was like, well, to be honest, I kind of find you a little annoying. Like, you know, oh you do this God. and this and this. Oh my, like, oh my gosh. Like it wasn't an hour. And all of a sudden I've got my mom like just calling me at like hardcore. You know, I was at the house and she's like, Nick, I cannot believe you. You know, like, I cannot believe you did that. That's my friend's daughter. And I was like, she asked, like, she asked my honest opinion. I don't know what the deal is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so like, I love when we're young and stupid and think people really want our honest opinion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny that you say like, you seem like you naturally care because I think I, I've gotten to a place where I do naturally care, but I wasn't always this way. <laughs> yeah. I feel so bad about that still. So I would never how to win today. friends and how to influence people that. that- yes. How did that happen? What, like, what, what about the book changed your approach? The book changed my approach in a couple of ways. And this is where networking, you have to ride such a thin line in networking, which is you have to be careful not to start networking with your own interests in mind. I think if you are like, I'm going to start developing this care because then I'll be able to like build relationships that are then going to make me more money or get me to better places. I think if you come at it from that ankle, uh, angle, people are going to notice and it's, it's not going to be authentic. But when I first read How to Win Friends and Influence People, that's probably, if I'm honest, a little bit of where it started. And so I read that book when I was 18. A college roommate of mine uh, had it on his bookshelf and was like, dude, you should read this book because we used to talk about business stuff. And so I, I read it and I was like kind of mind blown at the the concepts around the way to building relationships with people and getting people to like you as a person is by this ability to put yourself in their shoes. And it has to do with listening and it has to do with letting them talk about their interests. And in the book, he he gives some ideas around, I, I don't know if y'all have read it, but he gives some ideas around, hey, this works, meaning here's a tactic, remembering somebody's name. And then he spends the rest of the chapter explaining why that tactic is really important and the deeper like reasoning behind it. And so I think at that point, I got really interested in the inner workings of people. And that book kind of changed my thinking away from like, wow, people aren't like super binary. Like they have emotions. (laughs) Who knew? And that got me interested in the topic. But I I do think at that point, I was still probably very selfishly like, oh, I'm going to be able to make people like me and then I can network and then I can be awesome and get cool jobs and make money and and do these things. I think if I'm honest, it probably started from there. But over time, the more that you practice listening and the more that you force yourself to try and authentically listen and, and understand, okay, why, what about this thing? Why do they care? Why do they care so much about this that I absolutely see no value in or I'm not finding interesting at all? The more you start asking yourself those questions while you're in conversations, I do think that you can't help but naturally start to care. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic uh, way to approach it. Any other specific tips you might have for people who are trying to network, but perhaps not getting where they think they would like to be getting? One thing that I haven't touched on that I do think is important is kind of going back to context. So I talked about context and understanding the situation. So like what's appropriate here, what's not? Is it appropriate to talk about politics or this topic? Is it not appropriate? Like understanding the context. One of the things I do think is important is 
is understanding the context of your relationship with the person. So on the very first time you talk to somebody or the very first time you meet somebody, even if the conversation is going really well, it's unlikely that you're going to start talking about you know, something really heavy, right? Uh, somebody's friend who committed suicide or a miscarriage or like, like there's heavy topics that you're not going to naturally get into. And so I, I do think it's important to take your time with relationships. Ultimately, the best relationships are the deepest ones. And so you should, or, or you should aim for depth in your relationships, but you cannot get too pushy in it. So for instance, our, our main, like or one of our main clients, there's a guy named, named Jay who I, I've worked with extensively for the past two years at my job. And I mean, talking to him in some form of fashion, either in an in-person meeting or on the phone at minimum, probably once every other week for the past two years. And so I've built a really good relationship with Jay, but it's taken us a long time for me to really start talking about, let's say, deeper personal stuff about the fact that, you know, his wife's going through this thing or, or his kids, you know, struggling with this at school or whatever, like, but that's why we have a good relationship. And he's one of the people that has offered me a job at their company. And so like, that's a relationship that has been really, let's say helpful, but it takes time. So I think I, I would harp on the patience of it all. Networking is a long-term game. It's not something that you're going to be able to just jump into and then, you know, six months down the road, you're going to have a new job and a new wife and a new car. And like, that's not how it works. <laughs> it's a long-term game for sure. So just be patient and, and steady plotting, I think is what I want to say. Yeah. And uh, when it comes to depth, you know, I, I find it interesting that we have to accept sometimes that there are some relationships that will never achieve that depth because that is something that both parties are going to want. And regardless of, of how much you put yourself in their shoes, some relationships will just never achieve that. Absolutely. And so I think it's also, that brings up a great point. I think it's also important to think about in those relationships that won't go that way. You can't get upset about that. And that's why I do think it's important to kind of network with most everyone, meaning there is some strategy to, you know, I want to get a promotion to do this thing. So I want to make sure I'm building relationships with these specific people inside the company. There is some strategy like that that works. But I think a large part is you don't actually know what relationships are going to benefit you down the road and what relationships aren't. And so I always err on the side of anybody that I come in contact with, I'm, I'm doing these same things. What are they interested in? What can we relate on? How can I build a relationship with them? And how can I care about them? And that relationship's never going to go deep because of the nature or the friction or just whatever. That's okay. And I, you know, that's fine. You, you move on. There's, there's tons of other people and you don't know, you don't know who you're going to be friends with in 10 years and, and uh, who's going to be beneficial down the road and who you can be beneficial to. So I think that's a great point. Yeah. And that last comment you said about uh, how you can be beneficial to someone, I think, I, you know, in my opinion, that's kind of what leads the relationships. You know, it's, it's not about what they can do for you, but what, you know, what can you offer them? And, uh, you know, I, I, I try to offer as much of myself and whatever it is that I happen to be doing as possible. And then things come naturally from there. Absolutely. If you can get through the first couple of conversations with somebody and you can get on the other side, it becomes dramatically easier to, to keep going at that point. 
So uh, why don't you tell us again exactly where our viewers and listeners can find you and your site? Absolutely. So the easiest way to find me is mappedoutmoney.com. And uh, on pretty much every other social media, I'm Nick D. True. And so that's, uh, that's the best way to find me. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. I think this was uh, really helpful to me and, of course, to our, to our viewers and listeners. You know, we are here doing live broadcasts almost every week. Uh, we do announce them on social media ahead of time, so be sure to catch it. And uh, we'll be back again soon. You can visit us at adulting.tv. You can subscribe to the podcast at adulting.tv slash iTunes. And if you have any ideas or questions for us, you can go to adulting.tv slash ask. And uh, we will address whatever it is that you have to say in an article or a video or another podcast episode, one of the many things that we do. So thank you for joining us. Keep acting like an adult. Thank you for listening to Adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv. Adulting.tv.